We're bringing you all you need to succeed in the real estate business. It's Spilling the LT, brought to you by Lawyer's Title, telling you what it's really like to work in real estate. Welcome back. I'm your host, Tamara Gady, and today we're going to talk about how to get real estate done deals done through 2022. But first, if you like my content, you're really going to love my escrow team, so I hope you'll give me an opportunity to help you with your title needs. You can reach out to me on any of my social media platforms, and let's get a conversation going. I'd like to welcome my guest. This is Bob Johnson with Bob Mortgage, and he's been my guest on the podcast before, but I am a big fan of Bob's. We partner quite a bit on social media content, video, all things real estate market, so I'm excited to have Bob back today. Thank you, Bob, for joining me on the show again. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Absolutely, Always good Tamara. to see you. Yep. Very happy um, to be here. And we do partner quite a bit, and so we had a couple of conversations about what's happening in the market and how realtors can strategically work uh, getting deals done through the rest of the year. But I had an interesting article. I love Inman. I love all things real estate um, kind of newspaper type things. I don't know. And they published an article earlier this week called Nearly a Third of Income Gobbled Up by Monthly Mortgage Payments Now. And I thought that was a really very big statement, mm-hmm. um, especially with all the appreciation that we've had over the last couple of years, you don't really think through what it costs somebody in their monthly income now yeah. for their mortgage payment mm-hmm. because prices have gone up so much and now money's even more expensive. So that's what we're going to talk about today, along with what we think the Fed's going to do, um, what we think the market's going to do through the end of the year, and how realtors can use that strategy, use this information as a strategy in their business. So, again, thank you, Bob, for joining me today. Um, I want to start with this paragraph. The share of income required to afford a mortgage has risen 30.2%, well above the established norm of 22.8% of a homeowner's income, according to this Inman article. On a national level, home prices are about 25% higher than they would need to be for affordability to return to normal, an extremely unlikely outcome with Zillow economists forecasting relatively flat home values for the next 12 months. So that's a big deal, right? Right. House prices have gone up. We know, of course, money is more expensive now. I'm hearing eights are coming. (laughs) (laughs) Don't put that out there, Tamara. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. But... You know, one of the problems that I have said over and over again that uh, that is a result of this market is we want Texans to be able to afford houses in Texas, right? right. Yep. And so can Texas uh, Texans afford to buy houses in Texas? And what is that? I mean, our standard living hasn't gone up to compensate for the rise mm-hmm. um, in appreciation values. And now this article, a third of your income is required for your mortgage payment. So thoughts, Bob? You want to... Well, yeah, I mean, I think I, I do agree that that we have a bit of a challenge because we have home prices that we that we saw go up at the level at the rate that they went up from 2020, right? When we kind of got into the pandemic, and now we've started to see some leveling off. We definitely don't have prices dropping, right? Like like depreciation out there. No. But what we have, we have some leveling off, which is basically what we need to have for a more normalized market. Um, which, when you have that happen, and then you you add to the the fact that we have um, rates where they have gone, right? So you have 
rates that we were seeing in the twos and threes now into the, which we still find rates in the fives, sixes, and sevens, right, uh, out there in the marketplace. That just means you are spending more of your money, uh, your take-home money, on payments like a mortgage. But at the same time, you're also spending that same amount on rent. I mean, rents have risen, what, 13, 13 it's, and a yes, half percent? Yes, it's incredible. As yes, well. absolutely. So, yeah, so we're we're starting to see rents go up as well as 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 your mortgage payments, and we all know that regardless of the the rate that the current market's at, if you have rents that are rising, you're still you're, you're still you're, spending it's, that it's money. Still, you're still still yep. still spending the money, and your your rate on that particular investment, which is not an investment, it's a complete debt, is a hundred percent, and so you've really lost anything and everything when you're when you're out there renting. So there's always still that 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 better side of of um, of purchasing, but it is, it is taking a lot more of your income to be able to, to accomplish the payment now. Yeah. And I'm a big challenge solution kind of girl, mm -hmm. you know, so I appreciate the positivity and the outlook, you know, you're right. If you are renting your hundred percent of your money yeah. is going away, right? You're not keeping anything. You're not building equity. You're not building, you know, wealth for yourself right. and sure. for your family. So, um, but don't tell my tenants, uh, <laughs> like them right where they are. So anyway, um, I do agree. Rent rates have gone up. And so, so everything's gone. Everything's gone. Yeah. Everything's more expensive. Everything's more expensive. So, um, I just get concerned and I like to talk through these things because, again, right. I don't think that we're in some dire moment here, right? right. There's no. a lot of positivity that's coming out of this market mm -hmm. shift that needed to happen, right? The greed, the overinflated prices, you know, all mm -hmm. of that kind of thing. But I, I just were – what my main concern is is with the rise in, in home prices mm – -hmm the rise in interest rates, how do we make sure Texans get to keep buying homes here? There's opportunity in both sides of that market. There's opportunity for those that can take advantage of it when the rates are low, and there's opportunities right now that present itself for those that, that, are, that are looking to make a purchase. One, we identify the why. Why do they want to buy, right? So we make sure that we understand their, their intentions. And then we have to put the right type of strategy together so when they're buying a home today, they're properly positioned regardless of what interest rates are doing. So they would have had to, if we go back two years or a year ago, there was the same amount of concern for those Texas home buyers buying because they didn't have an extra $100,000 to pay you above. You are right about that. Yes, yeah, they didn't absolutely. Have, they didn't have the $100,000 to pay above the, the the actual appraised value. The home was only worth five hundred, dollars right. but they were having to come out of pocket with an extra hundred dollars just to get in the, in the game, right? $600,000 they were paying for that. Even though the rate was lower, they, 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 they gave up hundred grand of their money. True. Right? So they're going to have to be in that house for a long period of time to be able to make that investment and have some type of return. On well, that now investment. that appreciate, yeah, you know, the appreciation has dropped back it's down dropped. to normal. Right. right. Absolutely. So those that are buying today, I would argue, could be in a much better position, even though they're paying a higher interest rate than what somebody else paid at two and a half or three or four percent. Right. As the market started to kind of change a little bit, because now they're paying five hundred thousand dollars for the house, not six hundred thousand. They're not having to come out of pocket with that money. Then we're financing it. We don't have to go a 30-year fixed. I mean, we're locking people in in the fives, but they're on adjustable rate mortgages, arms. They could be on like a seven-year arm, okay? That means it's fixed for seven years. Let's say you get five and a half for a seven-year arm, right? It's fixed for seven years. Well, our anticipation is the market will change, and it may change in 2024, maybe the end of 2023. And we can talk about that. I know we're going to kind of get into that. But when that market changes, 
we just move them out of that fixed arm product for that seven-year period into something that's longer term, if that's what their plan is, is to keep that home for 30 years or 20 years. Yeah, and as, as things change, right, lending products change, too. Uh-huh. And so, you know, the arm is back, right? Yeah. And so yeah. everybody's <laughs> talking about, about the arm again. And, you know, I've kind of thought about that myself for a couple of situations that I've had personally. And I think it is a good option, but we don't have that crystal ball, right? Correct. So we really don't know what it's going to look like between year yeah. one and year seven and you really do are going to have to refi right because your payment's going to balloon or your interest rate's going to balloon after that well i mean it's going to start adjusting based on whatever the margin and, and index is that we're tying it to so these would typically be like one year adjustments. so it would adjust the first year so if it's a two percent adjustment the first year it has the potential to go up two percent right that first year mm-hmm. but the reality is it's probably not going to do that large of adjustment at, at its initial initial phase right so it may start adjusting a little bit upward but we still have a we have a, we have one run run room right we have seven right. years to make decisions on what they need to do and that's a lot that can that change is a in lot seven years yeah and a lot can change i mean you think about the average person staying in the home what's the average it time actually period? well according to the economic forecast it's now what seven to ten years seven, is what seven they to said. eight years right seven, yeah seven so they may be years, they, so. they have long-term intention but, I but they're thought, out of it i don't know I agree with that. I mean, we saw so many people buying and selling houses the last two years. Maybe, obviously, things are going to stabilize now. But, you know, I was like, I don't don't know that I agreed that the average time in the house was seven to ten years two years ago. (laughs) No. I mean, people that were buying, I mean, we're just making sure. Now people might stay. Yeah, we're just making sure they stayed in there for 12 months. If you're a 2.9, okay, you're staying. Yeah, Yeah, there's got to be significant why that they're getting out of that house. And typically what we're telling those people, I mean, like they're saying, well, if it's not the cash in equity, they're, they're really needing to move. We're like, can you keep that as a rental? Like, is there a way to qualify to keep that as a rental so that way you can keep that asset, right? Because you're turning it into that investment property. Keep it at 2.9 because now you're going to get more money coming back to you in rent that you can actually profit from. And then you keep that that debt really low. Now you're thinking like Tamara. Yeah, absolutely. Because <laughs> I'm like, yeah, we're going to keep it as a rental. Yeah, man. <laughs> but there were some other things. And look, this isn't on my script. And I like to deviate off script all oh, the time. Yeah. And I know you're very, you're capable to go with me down that yellow brick road. But, you know, we saw um, uh, when the new appraised values came out uh-huh. this year, people, yep. a lot of people got sticker shock too. And so I'm, I, that will normalize as well. Yeah. We are not going to see those huge gains in appraised value and tax values going up. Right. Um, I, I, I'm not a tax person. So what, maybe t- this year we'll have another issue, but after that, it would it normalize. It should go normalize, yeah. Yeah. So I think that's going to be a really positive thing for Texans as well, continuing yeah. to be able to afford being in their home. Yeah. I mean, Texas is a non-disclosure state, so people don't know what, I mean, the, the, the appraisal district, the county that you're living in doesn't know what you really bought the house for, right? Oh, I can tell. <laughs> right. So, so it's important like to continue to, it. yeah, it's important <laughs> to continue to fight that. Yeah. Right. And, 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 and that's, you know, your, your trusted real estate uh, agent that you utilize to buy that home. Um, can work with you to make sure that, you know, they're running the, the proper comps back in that time period that doesn't show you paid you paid 600000 for that $500,000 house. Right. It should be appra- appraised or assessed maybe at 400 and something thousand or 300 if you get lucky, right, to keep the tax values low and the dollar amount low. And I don't want to take anything away from my realtors because my realtors have a lot of value. Mm-hmm. Um, but I use this, this website called Property Tax IO. Have you used it? 
I haven't, no. Yeah. I had a fabulous experience with oh, them good. in my Dallas, one of my Dallas rentals because I didn't have, I, well, first of all, I wasn't going to Dallas at eight o'clock in the morning to fight taxes. So that's uh -oh. where I drew the line, <laughs> but I was going to fight taxes. And okay. so they did a great job and they got me a reduction and they only get paid if they get you the reduction. So it was a very valuable tool for me this year. I, I like the performance pay aspect of it. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's good. Yep. So, so what's it called? Property tax IO. Okay, cool. I'll have to check that out. I have to think. I don't think there's a dot in there, but if you just Google property tax IO, it'll come up. And they were, yeah. it was great. Okay. And I saved on my taxes. And like I said, they only, they take a percentage of what they save you. Yep. And they only get paid if they win. Golden nugget right there, man. That's awesome. There's a couple of tiers to their service. I think there's a free one where they'll just run the comps for you and you still go to go to deal yeah. with the appraisal district. And I was like, no, I want that. No, I, I, I want I the want high the tier. I, I, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not going down <laughs> yeah, there to deal uh, with yeah. anybody. I can, have, I can pull comps. Okay. <laughs> I don't need that part. I need you to go to the appraisal district. <laughs> but anyway, we're kind of getting off topic, but I do think uh, there's a lot of people are talking very negatively about this market yeah. and they're all obviously are always pros and cons to any market. Yeah. Right. And we have seen a major slowdown in home buying and selling right mm -hmm. now. And we will probably continue to see a slowdown through winter. Mm -hmm. um, that's what I'm hearing a lot of predictions on. But I think property values coming back to a normal, more normalized market. Mm -hmm. um, and, then, and then the trickle-down effect from that, i.e. the tax rates, I mean, the taxable amount of the house is going to normalize as well. I think there's a lot of positivities yeah. to this market and more expensive money. I mean, if you talk to my dad and he's like 7%, you know, 19%. Right, I had 19%. It's all right, relative, exactly. you know, yeah. so people just have Look. to adjust. You have to adjust your strategies or your lending products that you're using, or you have to adjust maybe the price of the house a little bit. Right. Yep. I, you know me, I'm, I'm, I'm the optimist, right? You're I'm, Mr. Solution. I'm going to yeah. find solutions and I'm always looking at the other side of the opportunity to find ways to help people. We're in business to make sure that we lend money. And so we have to figure out what's the best strategy to put the client into the best loan that minimizes the amount of interest they pay over the period of time they're going to keep the house. So whether that's coming up with strategies like a two-one buy-down, whether that's coming very up, popular product right now. Yeah, I mean, you know, okay, so your interest rate starts at seven, or it's at seven percent start, but you're going to pay four percent, or I'm sorry, five percent the first year, right? Six percent the second year, and then seven percent the next 20, 27 years. Well, just like we talked, the reality is most people aren't going to be in the house for 27 years or 30 right. years, right? So we're bailing after the first year or second year. So your average rate may end up being five and a half when we bail and we refinance to a different product if the market changes in, in a year or two or two and a half years, right? So you have to come up with, with, with strategies and solutions to help people see, it, it, see a little bit more clearly that it's not an 8% market today, right? It's not a seven and a half percent market. It doesn't have to be. But if it is, is it still the right solution for you, given your current circumstances, where you're living today, why you need to move, why you're wanting to move, what you're currently paying, if it's 100% in rent, or if you're sitting in a house that you need to sell, or can we turn around and turn that into an investment? And then now we've, now we've totally changed the game for possibly someone that has a house at 2.9. We're like, let's don't get rid of the house. If you really right. want to move, let's keep it as an investment, turn it into income, and let somebody else pay that loan off, which increases your overall net worth. Now we're talking like strategies, financial strategies, Correct. which gets me excited. And then at the end of the day, it's about how we present it. 
the customer has to make the decision. If this is the right thing for them, they're going to see it very clearly because we'll utilize the tools that has it all out there with graphs and charts and all that cool, sure. color, colorful stuff, and they make a decision and go. Well, and I think a lot of, you know, a lot of people call their lender like, what's your rate? What's the current rate? Sure. What kind of rate am I going to get? And, and if you, as a lender, simply answer that question, I don't know that I think you deserve the business, but yeah, exactly. you know, it's yeah. why are we concerned about the rate? Let's talk about what your overall plan is and kind of deep yeah. dive into what, what your why is and what you're trying to accomplish. Because honestly, and look, I'm not going to speak for all homeowners, uh -huh. but I care about the monthly mortgage payment. I care Correct. about what's coming out of my bank account every month. Mm -hmm. The price of the house and the interest rate aren't as important to me right. as what is coming out of my bank account each month. Yeah. I was on a I was on a uh, podcast call this morning with a real estate group, and they were talking about like challenges they were having on converting buyers, like initial calls with buyers to get them to talk to a lender. And I said, well, first off, you need to change that perspective in what you say is a lender. If you're talking about a lender, I wouldn't want to be on a call with them either. You need to look at them or me as your strategic partner. And that conversation changes with like, look, at the end of the day, because if a client says, well, I'm going to wait till interest rates go down, or I, I want, you know, I, I feel like the payments are going to be too high or whatever it's going to be, because that's what they're experiencing now on the cold calls that they're having. Mm -hmm. And it's like, look, you need to, you need to really allow us to have a conversation with our, your strategic partner, right? That can help build an analysis for you so that you understand the path that you're about to go down. Is it really that expensive? They may be able to show you, right, opportunities and options that get you exactly what you want today, or they're going to show you the path that you need to be on so that when you're ready to pull the trigger in six months, you're good to go, right? And, and so it's not, about, it's not about selling or negotiating on that, on that initial call. It's about getting on the same side of the table and understanding the feel, felt, found rule. I feel what whoa, you're- Whoa, whoa, Say that again? Oh, feel, felt, found. I don't think I've heard you say that before. Oh, really? One more time. Feel, felt, found. Okay. Okay. So what, what I- I'm what, used to these yeah, kind of things what, what coming I, out of your mouth. Yeah. What, 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 <laughs> I don't think I've heard that one. <laughs> what, what, I, what I told him was, you know, when you get on the same side of the table as somebody on that call, you know, I understand how you feel. You know, many of my customers have felt the same way. Um, that we're talking to. So you're not alone. But what I found is when I put them in touch with my strategic partner, right, what they're able to do is have a call with it, with them and understand that the path that they're on is the right path to be, or they may be able to pivot and show them how they could use seller contributions to get their rate down to, to a point where it was back close to where the market was that makes it more affordable for you to be able to purchase today. So all I would like to do is have that call with them. It's 15 minutes. And as they're, as my strategic partner, they'll do it for you complimentary and they'll provide all this stuff to you without being able to pull a credit report. So what time would be good today? Is that two o'clock today? Good for you. And I mean, it's just like, it's, it's, you have to, and there you have it people. There's a perfect script. <laughs> Feel felt found. Well, and I, you know, I think we could do an entire podcast on just how realtors can overcome objections with sellers yeah. and buyers yeah. um, for sure. And that was very smooth how you did that. <laughs> I've been on a lot of calls. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was, that was perfect. But I, uh, you know, I agree with what you're saying. I love the fact that, you know, it's strategic partner, not my mm -hmm. lender. 
and I love the deep dive into, well, they don't need to deep dive. The realtor doesn't. It's no. just teeing up the mm -mm. phone call for you to come in and do Absolutely. the deep dive yep. and really figure out how to shake things out so that it makes the most sense for them to go ahead and move forward with buying. Because look, we all know buyers are hesitant right now. Mm -hmm. A lot of them have pulled out of the market. So how do we get people back into the market, back into feeling comfortable about doing a deal and moving, you know, and doing real estate? Again? Stop so. talking about it. I mean, that, that, I mean, I, I, I'm like, I'm going crazy with some of the comments and realtors talking about, oh, the interest rates are going up. And, you know, I mean, it, it's like, it's, it's fear-based selling. Well, and, and, and we if don't... you have that conversation with your client, you're not going to buy or sell a house. Right. So... You need to be looking at, looking at this a lot differently and, and, and don't shy away from it. Yeah. Interest rates have gone up, but do you also realize home prices have gone up? And as soon as interest rates go down, home prices are going to continue to rise. And now instead of buying the house for 500, it's going to be another feeding frenzy and you're going to pay 600 for the house. Right. You have an extra hundred thousand dollars saved up. No. Okay, so let's get back to the real reason why you want to buy, and let's have the conversation. Love it. I mean, it, it's like addressing it right head on. Well, and I, you know, oh, I'm looking at this paragraph that I wanted to read, and I, we're, we went from kind of the, the, the hard part to this bright spot now, and now this is back to like something negative that I don't know that I want to talk about anymore. Um, why don't we just scrap this part? I mean, okay. like, if you guys, if you're a real estate agent, you have access to Inman. I mean, I, I love their articles all of the time. And this is a national yeah. article. But I think, you know, after attending our economic forecast here locally, we know that we're in a different state than the rest of the nation, right? We talk about it all the time. We're in a bubble. Um, we're not going to see the dramatic drops that other cities are going to see. We did have the higher appreciation rates. Yes. And a lot of that was because of huge amounts of relocation, which is still coming here. Um, Caterpillar's coming. And, oh my gosh. And, and um, by the way, I wanted to say tax. thank yeah. you so much for the invitation to that because that, that, that whole economic forecast was spot on. It was awesome. And I, I really an appreciate forecast. you putting that on. Cause mm -hmm. I mean, I like sitting there. You're like, Hey Bob, I'll get you the slides. I'm like, okay, that's fine. But I'm taking notes. I know you're, I'm literally sitting behind you and you're taking pictures the whole time. And I'm like, I, I think I texted Jen. It was like, tell Bob I'll I send know, him the slides. But I'm taking, I'm taking <laughs> pictures and, I, and I'm writing notes along with the slides because there was a lot of nuggets in there that, I use for my conversations that I have with clients and sure. I use on video. So there's always, I know we're going to talk about a different segment, you know, next, but th those are always opportunities to gain just pieces of information that you can share that validates your level of expertise, your, your commitment to what's happening in the current market so that people, you know, trust you and they have social proof when you start putting it out there. Um, you said yeah. social proof, just like Kyle Draper did. He's going to be so proud right now. Um, <laughs> well, he's a, he's a good guy. He's a smart he is, guy. Yeah, he knows he is, he is like social oh, proof. Yeah, we've been that? talking a lot about that lately. Um, but I, you know, look, I, I feel it's our job as affiliates and service to our, our realtor clients to have available, available to them yeah. this kind of information. Yeah, yeah. It's our responsibility. We are charged with making sure that our clients and our partners have the information they need to go out and be successful in their in their real estate practice. So I take things like that very seriously and I'm glad that you like the economic forecast. I'm I'm always up for a good economic forecast myself. Um <laughs> let's move on to let's talk about number 2, okay? What do we know and maybe maybe we've covered some of this already but uh, and then we'll lead into what what we think about the Fed. So what do we know about the market right now? As in which, like the uh, real estate or our or, or, or homes or, or mortgages? Both. Why not? Okay. Well, I mean, 
I think the we, we've talked a little bit about the home piece, right? Because we're starting to see normalized pricing. We're starting to see normalized um, days on market. Normalized days on market. You're also seeing it as as I am. We're getting sellers paying title policy. Yes, they right? are. The home warranty. Home is warranty. Back. When you start to see those in contracts, you know we've started to shift a little bit. Now, I wouldn't say we're in a buyer's market at all, but we're starting to see more normalized type contracts come in. Seller pay title. Seller pay home warranty. And, and where is that appraisal waiver? <laughs> we're not seeing that anymore. I mean, it's like every deal, yeah. every deal for two years. Can I get a appraisal waiver? Can I get a appraisal yeah, waiver? Yeah. I need a appraisal waiver. <laughs> now I mean, we, it's, it's gone. It's like poof. Right. In Just went away. But that's what happens, right? These, that's yeah. how these markets are evolve. Absolutely. And that's how lenders and agents, we, we really have to work together and evolve and, and, and modify and pivot, which is, you know, my uh, word I love, pivot very quickly. Uh, and we pivoted. We're, we're, I mean, we still do appraisal waivers, but they're not really as big and there's not as needed in, in today's market. But what we're starting to to find is instead of, and, and what we're really working on educating agents on and sellers and everybody is, look, if, if, even if you're in a normalized market and you're starting to think about decreasing the price, um, we have two things to think about today. It's not the traditional market where, where home prices are going down and buyers are wanting that to go down because of, or they're, they're okay with it going down, so they're negotiating price because they want the lowest price for the house, but they have the, the buyers have the concern about interest rates. So we're saying don't necessarily discount the price of the home. Utilize seller concessions versus the discount right. in price. So let's say you're going to discount at $10,000. Don't do the price discount. Give $10,000 for the seller to use to the buyer's rate buy-down. Right. And we can look at either a 2-1 buy-down opportunity. We can look at some type of buy-down on, on an arm or look at a 30-year fixed rate buy-down and see how low we can get that based on the amount of months or years that they're going to keep that home. And that's a different way to help the seller and help the communities keep the values high because listen, buyers, I mean, we all want values higher. Mm -hmm. We don't want to, we don't want to show values decreasing because no. that's just going to hurt you. Right. Yeah. So we want, sure. we want a good, a good stabilized price, but then we want to minimize your out of pocket expense. And if you're going to be using $10,000, but you're going to be wanting to refinance in, in, in 18 or, or 24 months, if that's what we're looking at, then maybe the solution isn't to buy down the rate. It's just to pay all your closing costs so that you're saving money out of pocket because that would be your better short-term solution over an 18-month period versus just using it all for rate buy-down. Okay. And those are things that we would compare for them. Yeah. Um, so that, that's, that's the, the, the one thing, I think, with, with homes. And then with interest rates, I mean, today we're, we have, we've had really good market news the last couple of days, which has seen either the cost to get the same rate go down by a couple thousand dollars, right? So if you're, let's say you wanted a, I'm just making up a number now, okay? So sure. this aren't the right, right rate. So if you wanted to rate at six and a half and it's going to cost you five grand, today may only cost you two grand, mm -hmm. right? So so the, the cost to get that is, is gone. And then, or you could go from six and a half and go to 6% and pay the same amount of money that you were going to pay, right? So the last couple of days have been really good mm -hmm. in in the um, in the bond markets, right? Um, but obviously we, we still have the remainder of this year, and a lot of uh, a lot of topics What's to go happen through there after the elections. <laughs> Everybody's sitting on the fence, and now everybody always wants to talk about that. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, that's super interesting. Um. What do we think about the Fed meeting? And let's see. You gave me these questions, so I'm just going to read them. I when did. Is, yeah, you did. Um. <laughs> Right. So I'm going to read your questions back to you, Bob, and then you're going to answer your questions. <laughs> okay. <laughs> when is the Fed meeting and what are oh, we okay. waiting on them to decide? That's the first yeah. question. Let's stop there. 
Well, so we have we have two more Fed meetings coming up. We have one in, in November, November 2nd, December 2nd, right? So those okay. are the next two Fed meetings. Um, and we already kind of have an idea of what's going to happen with um, the, the two meetings at this point. Um, the Fed is already on um, record of saying they want the Fed fund rate um, above 4%. Right. Well, we're sitting we're sitting at about th- I think we're sitting at three and a quarter right now. So we're fully anticipating a 75 basis point rate hike uh, on November 2nd. Right. Mm. And then well above. We don't know what that means. Is that is that right. four and a quarter? Is it four four point seven five or four and a half? And so we need to wait to find out what's going to happen in that December meeting as to their next adjustment. Is it a quarter, a half or, or three quarters of a point? And that's where we're going to end up rounding out the, the year. Right. So we, we kind of already understand that. And what happens um, is the, the, the bond market, we already are starting to price that stuff in. Right. It's not like when the Fed adjusts the Fed funds rate by from three and a quarter to four percent. We're not seeing a 75 basis point increase in interest rates. They don't work. It doesn't sure. work that right, way. Right. right. Uh, otherwise, we really would price people out of buying homes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So every day we're incrementally pricing in what our anticipated Fed uh, hike is going to be. So that way, there's not um, as much uh, increase in, in the in the long term mortgage rates for for consumers. So that's why they don't feel it as much. And then where the adjustments come into play is after the meeting, because we already know we're already going into this market figuring out what, what that Fed's going to do. So it's the statements, the commentary that they make after the meeting that's so important and that drives what happens immediately after those meetings in the bond markets, the mortgage rates, right? So if the Fed comes out and says they're, they're really, they still don't understand inflation or they don't have it under control the way that they feel like they should, then we're going to start to see and anticipate another 75 basis point rate hike in December. So we're going to start incrementally increasing that before December's meetings. And that's where you're going to see the market may adjust immediately after uh, that meeting in, in, on November 2nd. If they come back and they feel more confident about their position and they understand it a little bit better, then we will anticipate less than 75 basis points, which would and could have rates drop a little bit after that Fed meeting on November 2nd, right? So it's really the commentary that happens. And then the big one is going to be what's happening in December, right? Because if, if we're not into, I mean, we're not into January, like Q1 meetings right, and anything right, like right. that. But if they're really on record of saying, hey, we're, we're in a good position now, well, are we going to like not have any more rate hikes in 2023? Or, or, or are we at a point where they're going to start bringing that Fed rate back down? And that's when, that's when we're saying, okay, if, if that's the case and that's going to happen in Q3, if they make that statement that they're going to start adjusting rates down in Q3, the Fed fund rate, bam, we're going to start to get a really big benefit and pick up in, in mortgage rates by then. And that's where the rates are going to come down. Yeah, and th- and that's what I think you really need to dis- like distinguish Fed rate versus mortgage rate. Yeah. Well, the Fed rate is, is the rate that the banks are borrowing at, right? right. So if they're borrowing at uh, a cheap rate, um, then they can lend it out. And, and obviously, there, there, there's a different level of spread there. And, and, and you know, they're just, they're, that's what they lend it out. They borrow it out at a, at a lower rate. They can lend it out at a higher rate, and they make more money, right? Now, they're, they're, um, they're borrowing at a higher rate. So they're borrowing at three and a quarter. So they're having to lend it out at a higher number, which obviously hurts us as consumers because now we're borrowing at a higher number. 
right? Because they're they're having to borrow it themselves at a higher number. But that that is all the bank side, right? That's not it's not really what's impacting it on the bond, the mortgage bond side, and and, and mortgage rates. Yeah, that's, that's long term. Okay, yes, because yeah. that's what I want you to distinguish. Because mm-hmm. just because the Fed does yeah. some, it doesn't necessarily translate into mortgage interest rates. Not at all. It doesn't. It doesn't translate. And more times often than not, even when the Fed makes their statements and they increase rates, we start to see a little bit of a of a lowering of mortgage rates because we've either priced in a little bit too much, right, to anticipate even a bigger increase the next time. Uh, so we tip, typically end up being a little bit more favorable on the mortgage side, and we have a, a little bit of a drop the day after or the day of the, the Fed meeting. Any thoughts about interest mortgage interest rates through the end of the year? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like it as far as what we're looking at and the, the, um, um, I guess the, the the way that we're seeing the trend lines go, um, I wouldn't anticipate mortgage rates drastically changing from where they are right now. I mean, because we can still like pick people in the fives if they're on the arms, or you're getting in the high sixes and and, and low sevens for fixed rates, depending on depending on down payment and credit type and things like that. Sure. I mean, we're not, our analysts, the way that we get Fed data, we're not seeing 8% interest rates before the, the end of the year. And, and that's just based, I, that was a nasty rumor I heard Yeah, then. no, and that's based on the data we have today, <laughs> yeah. right? And the, and the data we know that, that we're anticipating with the Fed, the Fed meeting on the second. Right. We'll make that reevaluation after sure. the second uh, of November to know if, if we're really going to feel the same way and if we're going to maybe even see rates go down before the end of the year. Wouldn't that be a nice Christmas present for everyone? It, it'd, be, it'd be a great one. And there's a chance. <laughs> yeah. There really is. Well, I think this is a good place to stop because we're going to record in a part two to this podcast. I love that. And that's how that's taking all this information we just talked about and, and, and giving our realtors some strategies, right, on how to move forward through the end of the year. So hang on for part two. I love it. Let's do it. Thank you.